The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of its hosts, guests, or callers, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of WTBR-FM, its management, other producers, or sponsors. Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units, stand by for On Patrol with the PPD, airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television and available on all of your popular podcast platforms. Today is Friday, January 13th, 2023. It's Friday the 13th. Uh, And this is another new live episode of this allegedly weekly radio program. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm one of the co-hosts and co-producers of the show. I'm also the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield. Um, Before we get to this morning's topic, let's get a check of the weather and then we'll talk about some news items. So let's uh, see what Jacob's got to say about the weather. Here is your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, January 13th. Greetings. Today, cloudy, a high of 49 with some rain. Tonight, cloudy with a low of 23. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high of 28. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more of the forecast and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Caleb Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone. All right, so what do I want to talk about that's in the news? Well, let's start off with a, uh, a positive news story. So um, city's finance director, informed by Memo, the mayor and the council, that um, you know, the city's free cash is set at about $17 million, which is a a little over three times what it had been running. That's due to a couple different factors. Uh, part of it was the ARPA funds, and part of it was the final um, balloon payment on the high school project. But that means that there's a little bit of flexibility uh, going into the, the budget preparation season. Uh, they're going to look to add to some of the stabilization accounts, and obviously there'll be some discussion and back and forth about how that should be used to impact the tax rate. But that's, you know, 17 million uh, available in free cash that's that's a good start to any any news cycle another story out of the news uh, it's actually saw it in online yesterday but it's in this morning's berkshire eagle just tips for ice safety if you're going out on the ice on the open bodies of water particularly because we've had such dynamic temperature fluctuations uh, whatever ice we do have this winter will not be solid and so uh you know the fire department I uh, can't remember if it's captain or deputy's either, but he said, you know, the only way to know for sure is to is to safely get out there and drill it because you're never going to know what the consistent thickness is. So it's a weird weather pattern we've been having this winter. We definitely should uh, use extra caution if you're going out on the ice. And as anything risky, don't go alone. Uh, the last, or I'm sorry, this is not the last item, but the third news article I wanted to talk about, news item I want to talk about, this is timely, but it's ongoing, and I can't get into a ton of details, but there was a story in yesterday's Berkshire Eagle about a uh, arrest, uh, a drug apprehension operation that was done by the county task force, it was led by the PPD drug unit, uh, and it was significant for a couple of different reasons, just the, you know, five defendants arrested and, and volume, but it was significant in particular, and the DA or the district attorney commented on it, because among the drugs seized was a fairly significant quantity of methamphetamine. 
And we've seen meth on and off over the, the course of my career, but it has never really been that prominent or prevalent. And we had crack cocaine and then an explosion in the sale of illicit pills and then heroin and then, you know, synthetic heroin or fentanyl. But meth has always been something that we were kind of surprised when we found it. So getting a quantity of methamphetamine in combination with other substances during a drug operation is unusual and it's disturbing because, um, you know, if you look at what has happened in other portions of the country, once meth takes hold, it, it they're all, all drugs are incredibly devastating, but meth does some really, really horrific things. So we'll be looking for more of that and uh, doing what we can to keep it from getting into our community. And as always, we can't do it alone. We need your help. So before I introduce our guest today, the last thing I wanted to talk about, it's not really news per se, but I had a meeting yesterday with Councilor Kalinowski and she came in to talk to me about a particular subject. But after we kind of got through that, we were just kind of catching up and I shared with her that we were in the process, the department's in the process of trying to onboard additional mental health workers as part of our expansion of the co-responder program. And so we've brought a full-time social worker on. He's uh, in place and he and one of my commanders are going through the process of interviewing and uh, rating and selecting the candidates. And, it, you know, we're, we're diligently pursuing that because it's a program that we're committed to and we want to stay involved in. Um, but I shared with the counselor that we're having an incredibly difficult time finding qualified applicants who want to work, not just in a law enforcement environment, but on law enforcement schedules, right? We're, we're a 24-7 a day, 24-hour, seven-day-a-week operation every day of the year, and we're trying to expand the program to provide as much coverage as we can. And one of the things that we have found is get qualified candidates, but they only want to work daytime hours, or they only want to work weekday hours. And that's not going to work for us. You're coming to apply for a job in a public safety agency. We need the availability and the flexibility. And one of the things I shared with the counselor as part of this is in conversations with educators who train social workers, uh, they, they readily admit that it's not in the culture of social work programs to train people who want to do field-based crisis response, right? It, that's just the, for, by the same token that certain types of people are attracted to law enforcement and public safety, certain personality types are attracted to social work. And if you entered the social work training program, the pipeline with the idea that you were going to provide clinical services in a clinical setting, it's unusual. Um, you know, I, I describe our first co-responder, Mr. Collins, as a unicorn. It's unusual to find somebody who develops a, a set of skills in that environment and then chooses to, to take them somewhere else. So part of what needs to happen is an ongoing conversation about training, recruiting training and changing the culture of that profession to meet the needs that the community are demanding that we have field-based mental health providers. And so, um, you know, we're, we're working hard. Mr. Collins and Lieutenant Bradford are working hard to get the candidates vetted and get them in place, um, but it's not easy. And then, you know, just while we're on this conversation, the other piece of it is, even though we structured the salary tables within the, the, the city uh, HR and personnel guidelines to be pretty generous, we're still not competitive with the private sector. So, um, and the other, I won't get into the details on this, this would be an entirely different program. But in the first week of January, the um, Commonwealth model on how community-based mental health services are provided through uh, our, our stakeholder partners, it changed. 
it changed from uh, what was previously the ESP program. And I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up the acronym. I think it's CBCC. Uh, it's community-based centers, and um, and so under that model, a couple different things have occurred. And one of the things that occurred is the the structure and the staffing of the crisis team is changing. And so now, not only are we looking to recruit from the same pool of qualified uh, licensed social workers as the Brand Center, but at the same time, Berkshire Health Systems is also um, posting and hiring social workers. So the the candidate pool has remained the same size, but now we are in competition for the same candidate pool with two of our community partners. So it's uh, it's not simple. It's been made more complicated. We're determined to grow that program and we're doing the best we can so we'll talk about that and schedule a future program on that get mr collins out here to talk about some of what they've been going through all right so we had a shift in personnel at the board um, friday mornings like i think i talked about this a couple of weeks ago friday mornings have gotten incredibly more complicated than they were when we first started this program there's a lot of other demands out there and so we weren't sure lieutenant hill was going to make it in to get on the board this morning, but he snuck in while I was on that little tirade. So good morning, Lieutenant. Good morning, Chief. <clears throat> to get us started this morning, uh, Dave Cachet from PCTV came in and uh, he ran the intro and the uh, weather and kind of got us queued up on the mic. So thanks, Dave, for lending a hand. You're always willing to jump in when we need you. And we have a special guest in studio this morning, and we're going to change the focus of the program and introduce him and talk a little bit about... Um, you know, his background and his experiences and where he is and why he's interning with us. Uh, so our guest this morning is Mr. Nick Sayers. Uh, Nick is a, you're, you're local, right? Yeah, I'm local yeah. from Pittsfield. So Nick is a local guy. He has been a student at the Massachusetts Maritime Academy, which is a fascinating place. I'll tell you, not, maybe not on the air. I'll tell you a story about that MMA a little bit later. Okay. And, uh, he chose to intern with the Pittsfield Police Department during his spring semester, and we'll we'll get to why that decision. We arrived at that decision a little bit later. So, Nick, welcome, welcome, welcome to the PPD, and welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, you've been with us for what a week now? Um, it's been my second week. Second week, yeah. Finishing up the second week, yeah. and uh, let's let's start with you and your background. You're from Pittsfield. Yeah. Where'd you grow up? What's your family like? Where'd you go to school? What'd you do in school? So I grew up um, in the same house, actually. Didn't move at all. So I grew up in the Bossidy Drive um, okay. circle over there. Um, went to Allendale. Um, went to DeConnick. Went to Reed. But um, most importantly, I went to the Olson Nursery School that my grandparents actually owned. They lived there. Okay. And they both actually recently passed away. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. Um, but... Um, my parents, um, my mom is Sarah Sayers. Um, most people in the town know her, I think. She's uh, the owner of Sayers Cheesecakes. So she's pretty uh, pretty famous around here. <laughs> Not to toot my own, her yeah, my own horn. She's definitely but. a local celebrity. <laughs> um, and my dad, he's, uh, he's a Borsed uh, delivery driver. So, um when you were in school, did you play sports, extracurricular activities? Yeah, yeah. Um, so pretty much throughout my entire life, I played basketball and football. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I was going to play football for college, ended up not doing it. Um, I played baseball um, for a, 
until about high school and then I ended up quitting it and focusing more on the two other sports that I was better at. And then actually my senior year, I played, um, I did track and I did swim. Okay. And those were, I w- surprisingly, I was very good at both of those. I was not. Th- those are a couple big switches. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they definitely are. Like I've never competitively swam. Um, I was definitely good. Did not know how to dive. <laughs> okay. So it was kind of interesting to start. But um, definitely got better as the as the year went through for swimming. And then track and field, the same thing. Just trying to get down the uh trying to get down the form for throwing. So I'm I'm curious, was the decision to pick up two new sports in your senior year driven by the application process at MMA? No. No. Um no, not at all actually. Uh I don't know honestly I don't know what drove me to stop playing basketball my senior year and start playing and start um, doing swim and then i don't i don't really know um it's kind of like getting away from the like the love of basketball that i had as a kid and i just couldn't get it back so i was like you know i'm gonna go do a different sport that some of my friends were some of my friends were doing um and then track and field was just like a like a workout for me so (laughs) So I, the reason I asked that I was curious is because when I was getting ready to select colleges among the places that I wanted to go were um, the Naval Academy, and I was also a candidate for an ROTC scholarship. And when I was going through the process, my officer selection officer looked at my package. I would have been in my junior year, and he was like, look, we know everything you've done in the scouts. We're okay with that. You need another varsity letter. And I had to pick up another sport, and it was track. Um, just to kind of round out that application package, and okay. it was, and I also was not a uh, a runner; I was a vaulter and a thrower. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's interesting how these things come up along the way. Yeah, it definitely is. Right. Chief, I think he's being a little modest on his sports. Uh, there's <laughs> a couple members of our department that know him because of his achievements in sports. Well, he mentioned before we got on the air that he had a chance to do previous radio interviews about his his basketball prowess. Yeah. So I was, was going to circle back to that in a second, but yeah. Uh, and I got the impression he wasn't just kind of like showing up and calling it in. Um, okay, siblings? Yeah, I have a sister. Um, she's 24 now. God. Um, Katrina Sayers, she lives in Dalton now, moved away from home, sadly. But um, she's just working at my mom's store now. <clears throat> she went to college for a little bit. wasn't really for her. She's trying to go back now in the... Trying to do some like online schooling to get some to get some kind of degree, but right now she's working with mom. Okay, you got to throw a plug out here. If she's you know trying to get back on track for school and she's having a hard time doing it, she should go enroll at BCC. They'll <laughs> get her back on track. Yeah. Get that associates and roll those credits over. Yeah. You're welcome, Christina. <laughs> um, all right. So last question before we talk about your your basketball prowess. You went to Allendale School. Yeah. Who, who's your dare officer? Uh, I think it was Ortega. Iron Mike, greatest dare <laughs> officer ever. Yeah. All right. So tell us about this. Uh, you said the heat? Is yeah, Pittsfield Heat. Yeah, so yep. tell us about this. Um, so it was our AAU team. It was local. Um, locally ran. My friend's dad actually started running it. Um, and Dave Williams was the coach. And um, we had a, just a ton of kids um, try out for our first year. And... <clears throat> we didn't have much success our first year, I would say. It started really our second year and our third year's running it when we really started like kicking in gear and we would go to tournaments. We were winning every tournament or getting second place every tournament. <clears throat> Ended up turning out that we actually went to nationals for um, YBOA, 
I don't remember what that really stands for. Youth Basketball Association something. Um, so we went down to Florida for that. And before um, before we went down to Florida, we actually had an interview with 101.7. And that was pretty interesting. Um, but definitely the Florida trip was it was insane. They <clears throat> We got a, um, some hotels down there. Um, we flew down there as a team, actually, too. Um, and it was like this giant convention center with like 20 courts on it. And it was just filled with coaches, scouts, players. That's got to have been an amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sadly, right after our pool play was over, we went into our first game against, a, I think, a Panama team or something to that extent. And I actually ended up hurting my knee. Oh, no. So I was in crunches in a wheelchair for the rest of the time I was there. But still, the, getting to play in that kind of situation. Is, how'd, how'd the team do? Um, we ended up losing that game and that, that I fell. But um, <clears throat> overall, I think we did better than we thought we were going to do. It was our first time there. We didn't end up going back because some complications happened with the team. But we... Uh, it, so it's always interesting when you're the big fish in the small pond and then you step into the big pond yeah right and so it's it's apples and oranges um when i joined the department at the time this the standard basically was you had to have five years in patrol before you could try to join the team but i had a relationship with the team prior to going to the academy i was a high ropes instructor and i had been teaching some classes for them so they knew me and they were willing to take a look at me early. And then they decided for the first time in the history of our team that they were going to register for a SWAT competition. And so they specifically recruited me to help get ready for the SWAT competition. So I'm brand new on the team. I'm going through operator training. And we got to go to the SWAT competition. Nobody on the team had ever done anything like it. A couple of those team leaders had gone and scouted some. And it was a small regional SWAT competition. It was in Massachusetts at the time. And we got there. And it was like drinking from a fire hose, right? We just were the small part-time regional team. There was one team there from Winter Park, Florida. The department had two SWAT teams. One was their operational SWAT team, and the other was a competition SWAT team. And every six months, they switched. Okay. So it was just, you know, it's you step onto that stage, and you're like, oh, we are so out of our league. Yeah. All right. Anyhow, um, I don't know a lot about basketball. Uh, I've, obviously, I wouldn't have been a wrestler if I had any talent for basketball. <laughs> um, but I've got some friends who are seriously into basketball, and I know AAU ball is is quality. Right? Yeah. That's that's some performance there. So to have had some success with it, you got to be a pretty good basketball player. Yeah, yeah. I would say I was pretty good. I don't like to like brag about stuff, but I would say I was pretty good at basketball. Um, you still play? I don't. I play like pickup with my friends at school. We have like a actually this year we made like a little team at our. At Mass Maritime, and we have we don't have basketball there because we're not really there during the winter. Right. Um, and we actually played against like the um, second team for Anna Maria, kind of okay. like their JV team. But it was pretty pretty interesting. Um, cool. We did not we did not win at all. We were not close, <laughs> <laughs> as expected. But right. so let's shift gears. Let's start <clears throat> to talk a little bit about uh, your college experience. Yeah. So you're in high school yep. here in Pittsfield. <clears throat> you got to decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life. You're going to go to college. Yeah. Was Mass Maritime your first choice? It was. It was definitely my first choice. It was between Mass Maritime and UMass okay. for me. So how did you learn about Mass Maritime? Um, when I was a kid, actually during basketball tournaments, um, we went out to Mass Maritime and um, we would play there. And 
I don't know what I don't know what it was, but as a kid, I was like, oh, I want to go here for college. And when it came down to it, me picking me picking colleges, I was like, this is my first choice. Still, first of all, setting the campus is beautiful. Oh, it is. It sits right there on the canal. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous. Like I'm really, I think my alma mater's campus is beautiful, but that campus right there on the Cape Cod Canal, my God. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, I'll be honest. I didn't know. I probably didn't know anything about Mass Maritime until I met students at Mass Maritime when I was at Navy. Mm -hmm. And that embarrasses me because Mass Maritime is kind of, at the time anyway, it was a little known, highly regarded treasure. So for our viewers and listeners who might not actually be aware that Massachusetts has a Maritime Academy, tell tell them, you know, what is Mass Maritime? What is the purpose and mission of Mass Maritime? Um, Mass Maritime, it's like a... It's half of a like licensed school, um, but I can start out with like uh, it's in a military academy. So um, we every freshman has to go through like a two week orientation program. It's like a boot camp style thing, but it's getting a little bit more relaxed now. Um, and then as freshmen, you have like um, room inspections. Those were pretty tough. You have the juniors um, who are actually in charge of this freshmen who are um, inspecting you guys. Company officers. Yeah. So what are freshmen, what are first years at Mass Maritime called? Um, they're called, um, oh my gosh. They're, um, oh man. It's all right. I mean, you put your uh, Cadets. Plebes, swabs. <laughs> I can't remember it's, what they're called before October because okay. after October they're called they're actually first class or fourth class That's, cadets. Okay, but before oh, I can't think of what it, they're called. All right, before. I apologize for putting okay. on the spot. We can look it up on a break. <laughs> all right, so um, you you visited Mass Maritime basketball tournaments. You decide you want to go to Mass Maritime, and you kind of described that Mass Maritime is a is a half of a licensure school yep. kind of military environment. Yeah. So I want to parse this out for a second because I've had many conversations. Even you know, with people recently, and I don't, I don't think a lot of people who don't have a military paramilitary background understand this. So I think most people are aware that on the military side, there are the United States, the, the U.S. military academies, right? So you got the U.S. military academy at West Point, the U.S. Naval Academy at Annapolis, you got the U.S. Air Force Academy at Colorado Springs, and then technically it's not defense but it it, it's homeland security you've got the u.s coast guard academy at new london connecticut that's on the one side within that structure outside of the federal government there are state military academies so for example norwich is the military academy of the state of vermont the citadel is the military academy of the state of south carolina and those state military academies have officer selection agreements with the Department of Defense. So you can go to a state academy and choose to commission. And so you, you don't have to go to one of the big four. You can go to a, a different school. We've got numerous people that we work with regularly who went to Norwich and commissioned out of there. The United States Merchant Marine Academy is at Kings Point. It, it's basically the commissioning program for merchant officers within the Merchant Marine. Mass Maritime is a state merchant marine academy, basically. Yeah you, yeah. you can become a merchant marine officer through a state academy. And there's a couple other states that have maritime academies. Yeah. Um, 
and they produce some really good sailors. Both sailors like to go to the merchant marine and sailors on sailboats because they beat my butt repeatedly. Um, but I wanted to parse that out because you say Mass Maritime Academy, people are like, what is that? It's actually pretty impressive because yeah. you, you can choose to commission in the military. You can choose to become an officer in the merchant marine and earn your, your license, sir, through the academy. Mm-hmm. You can choose not to do that at all, depending on you know what your choices during your first couple of years are. Mm-hmm. But it's it's basically a really high-end engineering school and now Homeland Security school preparing people who might eventually want to spend their time at sea. Yeah. And so you said you don't spend winters on campus. Why is that? Uh, but the licensing kids had to get like 100 hours or so yeah. on the ship. So they go out on the ship and they travel pretty much the world, to be honest with you. Yeah, so you decide you're going to pursue your ticket. Yeah. Right? You got to have those logged hours. So you spend several months going to college like anybody else. And then you go to sea <laughs> for a couple months every year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a huge commitment. Right for a 17, 18, 19 year old person, say you know what, and and they do summer cruises too, right? You're you're not getting a whole lot of time off or leave when you decide you're going to go through one of these academies. So I just think that's fascinating um, that young people are making this decision. Yeah. So you seeking your licensure? I so half so part of the school doesn't have to. There's yeah. a few majors that don't. Um, EM emergency management okay. is what I'm in, and it's not one of them. So actually, I. I've only been on the ship for maintenance hours, okay. and um, we would take like a three-day cruise during orientation mm-hmm. to go down the Hudson. But life, not, life at sea wasn't for you. No, I don't know how. I, I I give them all the credit because I don't know. I could not be able to. I would not be able to sit out there for months on end. <laughs> so, I we have a couple minutes left before um, we have to take a break. So yeah. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna share this story. So several years ago. This was probably over a eh, maybe a decade ago now. I got a call from a friend, community member, uh, related related to a family member, and uh, they wanted to race a regatta down in Newport, and they needed crew, and they knew I had boat time, so I was like, "Yeah, you know, I can take some time off and go down and race the regatta. It's been a while," and so go out and pick up their boat where they keep it kept it in uh, just outside of New London. And we get down there a couple days early. We're going to do some practice runs out there on the sound. And then we're going to go race this race. So we come in and all the boats that are in this regatta, they all happen to be tied up on one section of the, the, the public pier right there in Newport. So this boat comes in the night before the race. And it's a beautiful boat, um, just, just immaculate. And it's well kept. And the crew gets it. And they have the position right right ahead of us along the, the seawall. And the crew gets the boat tied up and secured, and then the crew gets off, and I'm watching. And the captain, like the kid who's going to skipper this boat during the regatta, is maybe 21 years old. So I'm curious. So I'm like, hey, it's a beautiful boat. We just get to talking. I'm like, so tell me your story. What do you do? He's mass maritime. And he's already a licensed captain. Yeah. He's, got his, he's got his six-pack, which means he can get paid to crew other people's boats. So he just went to all the yacht clubs out there on the Cape, and he put up a card. And he's a charter captain for these rich boat owners who they want to race, but they don't know how. So he picked up the boat with a couple of his fellow classmates and his girlfriend. They sailed it down to Newport. They got a couple hotels in town. They had a four-day vacation in Newport. He raced every day. They hung out. 
and they were together, you know, for the weekend. And mm-hmm. he's making bank. It was insane. <laughs> I was so yeah. jealous. Yeah, those kids come out of school making a lot of money. Yeah, it, I I was so impressed. I was like, this young man is going places. Yep. All right, we're a couple minutes early for our station break, but this is probably a good place to pivot from that story, and we'll come back and get into Nick's actual career. So let's get another check of the weather, some PSAs. We'll come back, and we'll t- continue our conversation with Mr. Nick Sayers, our intern. <laughs> Here is your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Friday, January 13th. Greetings. Today, cloudy, a high of 49 with some rain. Tonight, cloudy with a low of 23. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a high of 28. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more of the forecast education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Kate Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone! Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at graylock.org. Missed an episode of your favorite show? Have no fear because we have podcasts. Type in wtbrfm.com forward slash podcast on your favorite browser and search for your favorite show. It's that simple. Is your little one safe inside your vehicle? Is the child seat installed properly? Is it the correct seat for your child? Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madeline with the Pittsfield Police Department reminding you to please keep your children safe. Follow the safety seat manufacturer's recommendations for height and weight and check NHTSA's website or our Facebook page for recommendations. If you have a question or would like your seat installation checked, please contact our department at 413-448-9700, extension 575. Our officers are certified safety seat installers. Thank you. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Hi, this is Officer Darren Derby with the Pittsfield Police Department. Folks, unfortunately, drug use is a driving factor for a lot of crime taking place in our city. The most prevalent crime being theft. Please, take the extra time to ensure that your belongings are safe inside your vehicle. Do not leave anything of value in plain sight. Hide your belongings. Place them in your trunk or take anything of value out of the vehicle. Always keep your vehicle locked. Don't make it easy for them. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Pittsville residents, have you heard about Code Red? It's the city's emergency alert program, and it keeps you informed on the latest updates and notifications, including but not limited to weather-related emergencies, road closures, and water main breaks. So stay connected and be informed. Text Pittsfield to 99411 to enroll or visit cityofpittsfield.org to sign up. Good morning. Welcome back. You're listening to On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, and available on all your popular podcast platforms. My name is Mike Wynn. I'm the Chief of Police here in the city of Pittsfield. We're in studio this morning with sound engineer extraordinaire, Lieutenant Matt Hill. Hello, hello. <laughs> and our guest this morning is Mr. Nick Sayers. Uh, Nick is a cadet at the unit. Massive Maritime Academy uh, out there in Cape Cod. Is it even born? Yeah, it's in born. Yep. Uh, out in Cape Cod. And he's uh, decided to spend part of his spring semester with us as a PPD intern. He's been assigned to the Operational Support Division under Lieutenant Hill. And uh, 
So let's let's talk about a little bit about your studies, and then we'll talk about um, how you decided to come with us. So you are not seeking licensure. You're not, no. You're not going to join the Merchant <laughs> Marine and go to sea or seek your commission in the Navy, um, because you are uh, you're enrolled in the emergency management program, the yeah. emergency management track. Yeah. So tell us about that. Um, so emergency management is to make it easy to understand. It's just managing mer- um, emergencies. Like it's it's pretty much that easy. Um, it's a lot of about um, like writing plans to get ready for emergencies and trying to most importantly try to mitigate the emergencies before they even happen um, or the hazards. Um, try to stop them. Well, try to stop limit the um, possibility of worse things cascading from certain hazards and certain events. So, so I am certain I don't know nearly as much about the field of emergency management as you do from a from an academic point of view. But I've had to engage in it a lot, and I have some, you know, some training, not education. But so, uh, in the United States, anyway, emergency management is basically taking an all hazards approach to emergency, well, crisis prevention, and crisis mitigation, and crisis recovery. That's yeah. that's kind of the the broad stuff. And a lot of people probably don't know, uh, at least in Massachusetts, and I think in most states, every community is required to have an emergency management director. Uh, many communities, including Pittsfield, have both a director and a deputy or assistant director. And emergency management is the catch-all. It's the all hazards for when something strays outside of the area of expertise or jurisdiction of, of one branch. So, for example... When we have large-scale weather events, uh, the fire chief is the emergency management director. I'm the deputy emergency management director. And we form an emergency management plan or a team that may include, for a large-scale weather event, it, may, it will include Department of Public Services. It will include the mayor's director of administrative services because they serve as our PIO. It may, in many cases, include, say, the director of the Froyo Center because we need sheltering and and warming locations and so we cherry pick all the disciplines we need to manage and mitigate that disaster and then we're responsible for it until we get operations back to normal the field of emergency management is producing professionals in that candidates to be an emergency management director basically and all communities have this but really in this country since september 11 2001 most businesses and corporations also have this. I was teaching a, a class, a civilian class last week, a civilian response to um, a workplace violent incidents, and one of the slides in the presentation was about uh, Rick Rescorla. Rick Rescorla was the emergency management director for Merrill Lynch on September 11th. Mm-hmm. He was also the emergency management director for Merrill Lynch during the first World Trade Center bombing in 1993. And so between 1993 and 2001, he made it his mission to put these plans in place and practice and rehearse them. And he's credited with saving 7,600 people that day yeah. by implementing his emergency management plans. Um, so that's the importance of emergency management. This was not a field that existed when I went to college. Oh, right? it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of new. It's yeah. relatively new. So why did you pick emergency management? Um, m- well, my main goal since like, I was been a kid has been like, help people, save people's lives. And that's kind of what I've been repeating to myself for the past four years doing this. Because sometimes it is hard. 
Um, so a lot of the work is very strenuous and difficult to do, but it's my keep my main goal just keep pushing me to push through it. Um, so that's interesting because you you said that's been your goal since you were a kid. Yeah. Did, well, what, what did you do about that? Like, were you a volunteer fireman or? <clears throat> um, not really. No. When I was a kid, I. I I I always said that to myself. It's, it's something I wanted to do when I was older, but I never really put it into practice when I was a kid, though. So how did you translate? How did you take that drive? I want to help people. I want to save lives. To I'm going to study emergency management. Um, my main goal was to do um, well. My first when I going into college I was definitely doing police work. Okay, get my get out. Um, the kind of transitioned when everything happened in 2021 or so. Um, and perspective changed a little bit and i went towards the <clears throat> office job wise like working for mima so i didn't got it internship with mima actually two summers ago um and as much as i th much as i liked it it was an office job and not not really for uh not for everybody <laughs> i yeah. could say um, Mima has a very I had the opportunity and the good fortune to work closely with Mima a lot over the course of my entire career but definitely over the last three years and Mima's an interesting beast because they run the gamut right? yeah. they run the gamut from office jobs who are in logistics and in training and they, they have a location they report to to field deployable assets who bring us our communications equipment on the 4th of July they're they're all over the Commonwealth yeah. um, they've they dropped it. Can't, the, I don't remember the technical name of the piece of equipment, the, the abbreviation, and what we refer to it as is the cow, which is essentially a, a ultra powerful cellular repeater that they drop in if a cell tower fails. And you know, Mima is responsible for coordinating the delivery of the cow, which when the uh, tower went down on the top of Florida mountain, not only to take out all the cellular service, took out all the emergency radios for the northern tier of Berkshire County and they came in and dropped it in overnight. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, th that aspect of emergency management is fascinating. Yeah. So when did you decide, you said 2021 kind of was the time frame. Yeah. Where were you in your college career when you made that decision? Um, it was like my sophomore year going into my sophomore year. I started rethinking it and started going towards that aspect of emergency management. Um, and then probably junior year, I went straight back to doing some kind of police work or something like that. Military crossed my mind a few times and border patrol and ultimately came down to state or municipal police. Okay. So how did you decide you wanted to come intern with us? Um, so I actually, my, the guy I worked with at MEMA, his name is Bob Barry. I don't know okay. if you've yep, worked absolutely. with him. Yep. Yeah, he's our local, he's our local MEMA rep. Yep. Um, so he, I was talking to him about it and he was like, you should get into contact, um, with, I think he contacted you about it. And then he, you led him to talk to me about, um, getting in contact with Traversa okay. and Lieutenant Hill. And so I did that and, um, <clears throat> Lieutenant Hill was in contact with my school and back and forth talking about what I'm going to do and all of that. Um, but looking at like the internship um, paper on your guys' website and seeing the different things that I would be probably most likely get like, like be able to see out in the real field of getting like police work is what really drove me to do it. Um, so, so we don't, so just so the viewers and listeners know, we we're fairly selective about when 
we take interns, how we'll take interns, and who we'll take as interns. And that's not because we're, you know, we're trying to be difficult. It's because early in my career, long before I was in command, somebody would call and say, I've got somebody, they're a criminal justice student, can they intern with you? And without thinking it through, somebody would say yes, and the intern would show up. I had family members who were put in this position, and they would essentially get assigned to records as a file clerk. And one, it's a, it's not fair to the staff in records. They've now got to supervise this person who came in and disrupted their office. But really, it's not fair to the intern because they're not getting the benefit of the experience. So when I took command, we shut down the internship for a program for a while and then started working through the senior commander and said, look, if we're going to take an intern, we're only going to take them if we have valuable work for them to do. We're only going to take people who are going to benefit from being with us, and we're only going to take them if they they want to come and they want to be exposed to a wide variety of things. Um, if you know they they just want to come and they want to work on a single project, that we're not the department for that. There are departments that will do that, and we have in the past. But we really try to come to a meeting that's beneficial for everybody, and the internship program falls under operational support. So. Um, it's interesting that I didn't, I knew that that's how the introduction came, but I didn't know why. I don't think I knew you interned with Bob. Yeah. So just so everybody understands, every community has, uh, every community in the Commonwealth has a local MEMA liaison. And Bob has been the, the Berkshire County liaison for a long time. Uh, I think he's got parts of a couple other counties, but he, he's, he's local. We, yeah. you know, he, he lives here. Um, we can get in touch with him. He's, he's up on our comms all the time. If we'd have to get the equipment brought out for the 4th of July or any other emergency, he's in the communications loop. And then you have kind of directly above that a regional liaison who they're, they basically supervise the local liaisons, but they're kind of at a different management level, less likely to come out into the field. Sometimes they do, but they're, they're responsible for resource coordination for the, the larger region. And so um, we've had great relationships with our MEMA reps for my entire career, largely because Bob has been one. Um, former, he's back. He was with MEMA, then with the governor's office, now back with MEMA um, in a in a su- executive capacity. Um, Pat Carnavali is, um, you know, he's been there. Bonnie is on our, our regional side for training. She's great. But this staff is uh, basically headquartered out of Agawam. Yeah, it's Agawam. In in um, one of the state buildings, it's kind of like there's there's a. There's a tactical operations center there, a training center there, there's a warehouse facility there. And so the timing on this is interesting because when, we've talked about this on the show in the past, when we knew in March of 2020 that something was gonna change, we're gonna enter this pandemic, very quickly, within a matter of days, I was removed from my, not entirely removed, but essentially replaced in my law enforcement responsibilities by the command staff, and I shifted full-time to emergency management. I went over to take over what at the time was the Central Berkshire Coordinating Center. And I had to build out a staff because we were responsible for liaising and coordinating with MEMA. But at the same time, the city, the administration, under the mayor's guidance, she put together the city's COVID task force. And so that was all the representatives of all the disciplines that we were going to have to um, we're going to have to work with to kind of figure out how we're going to get through this. So the mayor is an overall charge. The 
Chief Sammons is the emergency management director. He's got kind of command and control. Public health at the time, Gina Armstrong was the public health director. She, they're kind of like the unified command triumvirate. We're all supporting them. Bob Barry was on that task force. Like we, we had conference calls and Zoom meetings sometimes as many times as three times a day. And Bob was almost invariably on those calls. It wasn't like he was a member of another agency just there to support us. He was on our team. And that made it incredibly, I can say it was easy, but it made it much simpler. So like Bob would call me and say, we've got a delivery that we've got to get out there. And it's, you know, seven pallets of this. And it's got hand sanitizer and masks and gloves and gowns. I said, okay, Bob, get it on a truck. Get it to me in Pittsfield. My staff will break it up. I'll call my counterpart, AJ in North County and Chief Berger in South County. We'll release with them. They'll come get from us. And so we were pushing PPE out to our Berkshire County communities, sometimes six or seven times faster than the other counties because we had this relationship with MEMA and we had we put this, this structure in place. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that Bob was like, yeah, you, know, you, should, go, you should go please or intern with Pittsfield because yeah. we, um, we did some good proof of concept work. All right, so you've been with us for two weeks. What have you done since you've been with us? Um, Other done, than the key project, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've done a few uh, a few ride-alongs. Okay. Um, they're very interesting. Very a few interesting calls. Um, I could definitely say that. Um, riding them along, I rode with um, uh, Officer Brian Hinault a few times, and then also um, Officer Virgilio. Okay. Um, it's kind of nice with Brian Hinault because I've been or he was on my baseball team when I was a kid, so I've known him for a while. Um, got to ask him a lot of questions about what he's done and everything that everything to that extent about the academy and like stuff like that. Um, I also went to a canine training, which was awesome. <laughs> did they put you in the suit? No, they did not put me in the suit, sadly. <laughs> I would have. I would have done it. Um, but they put me upstairs in, like one of like a, in a room somewhere and hid me behind a door, and the dogs would come try to find me. And it was... Come try to find you. Well, no, they did. They did. They did find me. Yeah, Um, yeah. It was pretty quick too. Honestly, I was surprised at how how fast the dogs would be able to sense my my smell, my presence there, and be able to find me that quick. Um, And I spent a a day in uh, dispatch, and a day in like the main office area with the window, just kind of talking to everybody, trying to get everybody's views on everything. So definitely interesting. Yeah, if you if you've never been to our facility, you know we first talk about it. It's antiquated. It's out of date. We're busting at the seams, but all that aside, it's still an amazing place to be because you got essentially two core locations that are adjacent to one another that they're never off. They're they're just never off. And if you work in an office environment, you work in a school, you might you might hear somebody say that. But unless you've seen it and you've been immersed in it, you can't appreciate what that's like. So you got the dispatch center that, depending on what time of day it is, basically looks like a cave, right? And you're sitting in there, low level of illumination so they can see the screens clearly. Phone is constantly ringing. Information is constantly coming in on the teletypes. The teletypes don't type anymore. They're computers now. Um, 
the radio is constantly squawking. Information is coming in from a variety of sources, and they're just trying to coordinate all that and figure out where to send people to do what they got to do and help. And then right next to that is what in our in our internal culture we refer to as the desk area, the the, the desk. And that is the purview of the desk sergeant who is the station supervisor and officer in charge. And depending on the time of day and shift, the desk officer. And they're responsible for station security, uh, prisoner handling and, and well-being, and walk-ins. And so on the day shift and the early evening shift, that's just a constant stream of activity and energy. And that phone is always ringing. Radio is constantly going off. Faxes are coming in. People are walking in, ringing the bell at the window. It just never stops. I don't miss that one bit. Oh, I'm sure you don't. <laughs> we, we were talking about it recently. Day shift sergeant, worst job ever. <laughs> right? It's important, and you get a lot of valuable experience, but, man, it's just relentless. Right. So you did the canine stuff. Yeah. Um, did, that was on a regular working group day, so all the all the canines were there? Yeah, it was on, yeah. yeah. There was a few. You didn't do the team yet? SRT? Yeah. No, not yet. Yeah. I was going to, and um, I guess something happened the other day where they did minimal training, so. Uh, so, yeah, they were, they were on standby for an operation. All right, let's see. Um, so what are you looking forward to? What do you want to do? What do you want to do the most? Um. I really do. I really do want to go to the SRT training. So those, those, that seems really, Be really. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Be careful. They'll decoy you. They'll put you in there. <laughs> um, the canine training was. Uh, I was honestly really fun. Um, I learned a lot from the canine training. I would like to do more of those and definitely more ride-alongs. Um, getting out in the field and really seeing how to respond to calls and. Um, exactly what they're supposed to like what they're actually doing out there is important for me to like learn for when i want to be a police officer later i know so i'm going to suggest that uh you and the lieutenant speak with sergeant madalena and for the duration of the time that you're with us that uh assuming it's it's not operationally unsound and it's not going to impact if the traffic unit gets activated or called out then they, they should let you tag along to watch what that looks like because that's just a completely different different type of operation. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to hold off on saying we should assign you for any time with the drug unit because they, they're kind of busy and they got some stuff going on right now and I'm not sure we could make that work. Yeah. But we probably should talk to Sergeant Barber or Sergeant Garropy and see if we can put him out with ACU uh, for, for a ride along and jump in as the as the fourth person in one of their cars because um, that's a different type of police work too yeah uh, it, you probably should see that okay um we're on standby for next week for a coffee with the cop i've got a conflict i'm not sure we're going to be able to make you work maybe you could do it and then you could take him <laughs> um but we'll definitely we'll definitely get you into a coffee with a cop um with with when you're still with us and we should get you out with officer derby to do some community engagement stuff. Yeah. We'll do some school visits and yeah. stuff like that. All right. So you graduate this spring? I do. Yeah. And what's, ne what's next for you? Um, so I take my civil service exam and I'm taking that in March. I okay. think it is yep. out in Springfield. And then 
hopefully, if all goes as planned, police officer. I'm not really sure if I want to do like state or municipal yet. It's between state and um, Pittsfield. That's mm-hmm. where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's uh, like positives and negatives for both, and during different sides of the stories from Pittsfield officers and state police mm-hmm. officers and hard choice. Yep, it's not <laughs> easy. We always prefer if you make that choice before we invest a ton of time and energy in you, but we understand right. when people make that choice. Yeah, um, Municipal policing is not for everybody. State policing is not for everybody. You gotta find do the best fit for you. Um, I will, I'll give you my little spiel. You know, if you, if you want the opportunity to do wide ranging and diverse things, you got a much better chance of doing it with us than you do with them. Yeah. You gotta be real lucky to get into a specialized unit in the state police and then you're there forever. Um, you know, we don't have that. Like we, we get people through several different possibilities early in their career before they find their home. Mm-hmm. Um, I had another question for you. All right, so uh, it, but definitely law enforcement. You yeah. know, you don't want to do the emergency management, like municipal emergency manager thing. No, that would be a very, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be like my fallback plan. Okay. So, but yeah, I'm definitely, I am leading towards Pittsfield right now, but. And not corporate emergency management. Oh, God, no. You don't want to be the next Rick Rascola. <laughs> no. There's a lot of opportunities in that. Yeah. There are a lot of opportunities in that. I don't want, I'm not going to say specifically who it is. It's out of respect for privacy. They're dealing with some health stuff. I have a friend and a colleague, and they were with um, state law enforcement for a long time and then federal law enforcement for a long time. And their retirement job was they got picked up to be the director of security and emergency management for NASCAR. Hmm. That's a pretty good opportunity, yeah. right? Yeah. Not, not like one track. NASCAR. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. So, all right. We have a few minutes left. We always like to wrap up on this. Plans for the weekend. Plans for the weekend. Hmm. Um, I had to help move my girlfriend back into school this weekend at some point. Um, she goes to Bay Path. Um, other than that, just watching some football, you know, NFL playoffs. Big weekend. Go Niners. <laughs> um, other than that, really nothing. Hanging out with the family. Nice. All right. Lieutenant, plans for the weekend? Uh, some family stuff and some reasons to get out of town as well. Nice. My standard stock answer is I just I hope that I can get onto the mats and I can train a little bit. This is a rough week with some, some stuff with family and, and starting to feel it a little bit. But I also have an unanswered message from my aunt. She wants to come meet the baby, so we have to set that up. And, uh, you know, just, I think it's going to depend on what the weather does. If the temperature drops like we think it's going to drop, it might yeah. be just a good weekend to stick close to home, stay warm. Yep. All right, we're a few minutes early, but we are uh, kind of out of time and out of topic, so I'm not going to keep this one going. We'll cut over to the recorded programming. But before we go to the outro... As I always say, be safe, be healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8.